of a very drift-esque thing to say. Cleanse your aura. <laughs> Cleanse breathe your Breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> Tender your aura some bullshit. <laughs> Welcome to the After Sparks Podcast, an episode by episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Els. And I'm Specs. And today we're going to be talking about episode number three, More Than Meets the Eye, part three. Let's talk about giant robots, shall we? Mm-hmm. Last time on the After Spark Podcast, rubies, dams, coloring errors abound, explosions. <laughs> but today, we open up with Optimus Prime rolling down a kind of steep hill after the explosion in the mine. This really hurts him for some reason. Remember this for later, kids. <laughs> Ratchet and the other Autobots attempt to get Prime back on his wheels and get him transformed back into robot mode. While Ironhide supervises? It does nothing to lift Prime! It doesn't! He's supposed to be the strong- he's one of the strongest ones there! And he's, but like, he's just like, no, no, I, I'm in a supervisory role, thank you. <laughs> And, like, Ratchet's up at the front of Optimus Prime's cabin. He has such a lovely bedside manner. And of note, originally Ratchet was supposed to be a female. Apparently he was based off a character from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Huh. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like Crumpy Medic Ratchet, though. So do I. It just would have been interesting. So, uh, Optimus shows concern for his child, uh, Roller. Uh, mm-hmm. did Roller explode? I can't remember. No, Roller came, well, Roller comes zooming out from the mine. He escapes the explosion. Okay. But he comes zooming out and back into Optimus Prime's trailer once he is back on his wheels. So, um, while they're trying to get Optimus to transform back into robot mode, and I don't know why this helps, and I'm sure there's an actual explanation out there, but the groaning while this is happening is... <laughs> How do I put this? It it sounds like it belongs in a very, very different kind of show. And I just don't know why that was the line read. Dear Peter Cullen, I'm, I'm sorry, we're sorry, we're so sorry. Just, yeah, that groaning. It, yeah. It sounds oddly suggestive. That's all I'm saying. It does. <clears throat> So once he's transformed, he's perfectly fine. I mean, later in the series, well, later series, particularly the comics, are more explicit about the importance of transforming in their species. But yeah, it's it's apparently a big deal, and then suddenly it's not. Yeah, it's very, it's just very strange because Optimus is like, nope, I'm up, I'm on my feet, I'm fine. Okay. Anyway, so then the Autobots start digging out Bumblebee and Sparkplug. Uh, who are also completely fine, despite being in the mine where there was an explosion. It was a super convenient air pocket. It was just <laughs> really convenient. And then, I believe it's Optimus Prime who says the Decepticons are finished. Optimus, has the smoke cleared? No! It's another preemptive declaration. They're really good at doing those in this series. Which is funny because I think of like episode four or something, uh, Prime is a lot more like pragmatic and I'm like, thank you. So shockingly, the Decepticons are also fine with Megatron standing up and saying, we are indestructible. Thanks, honey. No, you're not, baby. (laughs) But he's so elated about it. I mean, he's just super elated. And then they proceed to blast a hole in the ceiling and fly out of the mine. Proving that Megatron is a dick to ceilings, yet again. He's a dick to a lot of things, honestly. I mean, I think it's his defining characteristics, so yes. (laughs) I 
a giant asshole. <laughs> anyway, so apparently Soundwave is holding up. So, so while this is happening, where, you know, Megatron is, is spouting and they're getting ready to leave the mine, uh, Soundwave is holding a bunch of Energon cubes that for some reason are not cubes and resemble the size and shape of Cybertronian scaled pizza boxes. Yeah, it's it's like he's passing out lunch. I mean, totally serving it up. But like, these are the ones. Like, for whatever reason, they compress them by just shoving down on the top, and they yeah, get yeah. But, but I think like in a couple of scenes later, they're squares again. Considering how they transport these things, by the fact that the jets just they <laughs> hold them and in they and then fly off. Yeah, they they hold them. They transform and they just sort of go into their tummies. <laughs> <laughs> We're very full. So the Autobots see them flying away. Optimus does not pursue because they're too fast in the air, apparently. Ironhide says, fuck that shit, follows anyway. And the Blue Streak follows to retrieve him. And by retrieve, we mean shoot at Decepticons because no one can follow a damn order for fuck's sake. They're so bad at it. I mean, these are soldiers in an interstellar war that's lasted... I don't know how long it's supposed to have lasted. I think it was four million years. Yes, but that's how long they've been asleep. Oh, right. I don't know. How long it lasted before that? I mean, millions and millions of years. I guess. Well, the thing is, they're not supposed to be more than like nine or eleven million. I think there is actually maybe an official timeline somewhere. We should go check that. I really should. Yeah, but yeah, they're so bad at it. I, I suppose that he just wants to show off some elite skills or something because Blue Streak's some sort of sniper. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Blue Streak, hello Casey Kasem! <laughs> Which, if you don't know who Casey Kasem is, he is the guy who voiced Shaggy in the original Scooby-Doo. He voices a number of other characters in... in Including Teletran? Yeah. Or Teletran 1. Um, so he also voices the computer, but this is one where he sounds slightly, slightly less computery. He sounds more, more like Shaggy. Pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, this is the first appearance of Skywarp's teleportation ability. And... For some reason, he asked for permission from Megatron to use it, which seems strange, uh, strangely polite, considering Skywarp's kind of a dick. He is, and he definitely wants to show off some elite skills. <laughs> look at me! Look at me, Megatron! Look at me! And so he teleports <clears throat> behind Blue Streak and Ironhide and starts shooting missiles at them, hitting Ironhide. <laughs> Ironhide then falls into some water, which may or may not be a lake, and is retrieved by Blue Streak. And he's, he's like, drowning? This is... We've seen them stay underwater for longer lengths of time, so this seems mildly strange. But okay. Um, also, hello Jazz's hookshot again. <laughs> he gently cradles Ironhide's head after pulling him out, and that's gently with quotation marks. <laughs> Ironhide can't move, but he can still talk. Oh joy. He informs Ratchet that he was hit in the back end somewhere. Insert your own joke here. Uh, they, he's then loaded up into Ratchet to return to the Ark for repairs. More of Ratchet's lovely bedside manner. He's basically the hospital taxi service. We'll see him getting back at Ironhide for various things later, <laughs> I think. During this whole bit with Ironhide and Blue Streak flying, Ironhide's gun keeps disappearing and reappearing, so I'm going to break this down. Blue Streak catches up with Ironhide. No gun. It cuts. There's a gun. Another cut. No gun. Cut. Ironhide's gun is coming out of the panel on his back. That's fine. Two to three more cuts are fine. Gun's visible. Skywarp hits Ironhide with the missile, and his gun disappears again. 
Oh, and I think we should make it clear that the gun is supposed to be coming out of his back the entire time, every time it shows up. It's not going between hand, back, hand. Yeah, no, no, sorry. It, it does come out of his back, and it's not supposed to be on there at all until we actually, it cuts to the part where it comes out of his back. But yeah, mm -hmm. just reusing animation poorly. <laughs> yeah. So back at the arc. Spike's diary again. Complete with an oddly large chin. I feel like they just didn't position his mouth quite right. Probably. And Spike thinks Optimus would make a good president. I mean! <laughs> and I mean, theoretically, they've been here since before the country existed, so they're probably, they could probably be considered naturalized citizens. You say that. You say that! But Native Americans didn't even get the right to vote until years later, despite being actual citizens! That's true, but it's different when they're large enough to step on you. Probably. That is a valid point. I'll give you that one. Anyway, uh, you see Autobots mocking a caged rabbit, uh, if you'll remember previously, was caught. Uh, so bully the kitty. There's an awful lot of bullying going on My here. My poor baby. And then the Hound is dicking around with holograms, uh, again, to bully the kitty. Yeah, he, he like makes a hologram of Megatron. Mm -hmm. And then Mirage asks to make him a big house with a four-car garage once they're back on Cybertron. What the heck does that even mean for their society? Does it mean, is he asking him to marry him, to live with him, to create a four-bedroom house, or are there supposed to be four front doors? Are the garage doors the entrances? What? Yeah, what, what does that even mean? Uh, also, uh, just hologram is said <laughs> multiple times. Uh, Hound is weirdly tiny and oddly enough, he looks like he's partially in Ravage's cage in one of these shots. It's just another error. They didn't layer things correctly. correctly. <laughs> yeah. And then Hound gets the brilliant idea of duping the Decepticons with a giant hologram. And then the Autobots subtly, very subtly, uh, talk about a secret supply of rocket fuel in front of, in front of Ravage and accidentally drop the keys to the cage. So Ravage gets out. <laughs> And uh, Autobots make a show of attempting recapture, and as they tell Prime that Ravage escaped, he says, seductively, perfect. That bedroom voice, though. And the other Autobots look oddly horrified after this statement, despite it being the plan and not really trying too hard to catch that damn cat. It's just the expressions, like Mirage and Hound just have this sort of round mouths. Yeah, like this very scandalized look on their faces and you're like, you're the ones who came up with this plan, weren't you? Yeah, and I still don't understand why Hound actually has a stupid little key ring on, like, his hip. Yeah, yeah like, so so basically what happened is there's this little hook on, yes, on yes, Hound's body. Hook. So when they're, like, accidentally dropping the keys for Ravage, he, like, hangs the keys on that hook and then kind of, they, they kind of get jostled off and I'm like, what is that even... Or why do you even have that? Why do you even have actual keys? Yeah, that's a good point, too. <laughs> then again, these are robots that don't have, you know, security cameras, so... They're technically strange. So, then Ravage gets away, and he reports back to Megatron about the rocket fuel stash. And, and, and by report, I mean there's a voice coming out of Soundwave that I don't think is Soundwave's voice. And I'm not sure if it's supposed to be Soundwave, or if it's Ravage, despite they never really have him talk in the cartoon. Uh, in every, like, uh, both here and in every other iteration, to my knowledge, Ravage is sentient. Mm -hmm. um, and it actually can talk <laughs> when he shows up in the Beast Wars cartoon. I don't know why he's Russian there, but he is. 
Um, but, but he is sentient, so I don't know what's going on in the scene at all. Well, he is always in a hurry to get things done, so of course he's Russian. <laughs> uh... <laughs> but yeah, it's really not consistent. Sorry, I saw the opportunity for that. <laughs> and then Megatron and Starscream squabble over leadership of the Decepticons. So basically, Megatron's like, I'm onto your plan, Starscream. And Starscream starts whining about how it's time for new leadership. And then Megatron says, you couldn't lead Antoids. Or is it Antoids? I'm pretty... to a, probably Antoids. Yeah. You couldn't lead Antoids to a picnic. Which is a great line. It is. <laughs> and then Starscream gets blasted by Megatron's fusion cannon after trying to shoot Me Megatron in the back. Like, of course, Starscream. They're both fine after this? <laughs> Question mark. Um, question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Question <laughs> mark. Uh, so then the Decepticons attack, but not really. Uh, and Megatron mocks Optimus for thinking he could fool Megatron by letting Ravage escape. Also, the Autobots are, are all cosplaying as scientists in the shot because they're pretending to be that rocket fuel stash. They're humans or whatever, and they're just they're just wearing long white coats. And you're which... just like, I, I don't know how that would fool anyone, e even if sometimes the Decepticons are kind of morons, so the Autobots, so I just don't know. It's the beginning of a very long tradition of robots wearing clothes. I mean, you see it in a bunch of other... Yeah, all, all I can think of is it's, like, comparable to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when the turtles are wandering around, like, you know, with their bare feet in trench coats and hats. Yeah. And then sometimes terrifying human mask. I mean, it's it's not quite as bad as the time that uh, Megatron in 2001 Red decided to cosplay as a red sports car. Oh, God, that's right. I would like to point out that Megatron doesn't isn't really this Megatron. I think he was named Gigatron yeah, in Japan. Yeah. Because this was an anime. So I don't really count him. And he actually shows back up in the IDW comics and has his... He has a separate character, is what I'm getting at. He is. I can't imagine any of the actual Megatrons turning into a little red sports car, but um, it sounds fun. <laughs> that could be entertaining at some point. Maybe they'll do it in the future. Who knows? So uh, then Megatron, you know, is, is uh, espousing to Prime, and he shoots his fusion cannon and then lifts his arm up and shoots a smaller secondary gun from his elbow that I don't think... <laughs> ever shows up again, and I have no idea what purpose this would serve. It's really suggestively placed, and I mean, we nearly missed it when we were watching this. It's just, I spotted it, and I was like, we need to go back, we need to go back. <laughs> right? See that? Because it was so ridiculous, I'm like, what is happening? But, but yeah, it's really suggestively placed, considering that Megatron's original toy had um, um a trigger crotch. Yeah, it's awkward. Yeah. So... The attacking Decepticons, like, the, the attacking, quote-unquote, like, I mean, the Autobots were getting attacked, were apparently just made from scrap, and they fell apart, but how were they walking to begin with? They're really, really shitty animatronics? I don't know. <laughs> Which seems like a lot of effort to put into this ruse. It is, but I mean, Megatron later makes, like, a life-size Optimus Prime. Oh, God, right. <laughs> There's a lot of things they do that just never show up again. Um, so anyway, then the Decept we, we cut to the Decepticons actually attacking the real airbase, which just means them blowing up shit as usual. Uh, the base is the most confused airbase in the world. It seemed like it was supposed to be based on Cape Canaveral in Florida, but all the back 
backgrounds would suggest it's in the middle of a desert or mountains, and it is definitely not near any water. We looked this up on TF Wiki to make sure we weren't mishearing the base's name, and we weren't. But it's, yeah, it's really weird. It's, it's really weird. It's a cape in the, it's cape whatever in the middle of the desert. Yeah, because I, I thought maybe. Or scrublands. Or something. It just, it isn't, it does not look like it's near water. <laughs> so, we, we, we see the humans trying to fight off the Decepticons with cannons? Yeah, they look like actual cannons. Like, cannon emplacement. Like, they're on wheels. They can move them, but they don't look like fancy cannons. They just look like cannons that shoot cannonballs. And I'm like, I mean, I do kind of feel like maybe that would be somewhat effective, uh, just because of sheer force of cannonball. Maybe. But still? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, there's a fancy futuristic rocket in the background, and they're using these old-fashioned-looking cannons. Why? <laughs> Um, so after this happens, uh, we, we find out the Decepticons have apparently gathered enough energy to leave Earth and are preparing their ship. And it's purple. They, they just love purple. They do. Gotta, gotta have some more purple. Uh, so the Autobots put together a group to attack the Decepticons. And Major Domo Jazz rides again. And then we get a toy lineup shot. Remember the toys, kids? The toys! All the toys. And then they take the humans with them. Why? Why would you take the squishies? Because apparently, I don't, I don't know. I don't have any good reasons for this. And back at the Decepticon base, they get ready for liftoff. Which, for some reason, this base is like in the middle of like a hollowed out rock formation, like the ones you see in like, you know, westerns. And so do, do you think they hollowed it out or did they just find it that way? <laughs> I would have to assume they hollowed it out. I mean, it's apparently still got a ceiling because it explodes when they blast through it. And you can see chunks of rock. <laughs> um, which I don't understand why they didn't take that away before. Because, I mean, going through a freaking rock ceiling, you're going to damage your stupid yeah, shit. Yeah, you know, it doesn't seem good for their shit. Anyway, so the Autobots attack. They, they drive, and then they transform and run. And that's not faster at all? You, you wouldn't really? think. Um, Optimus manifests grass out of nowhere in a few of his shots. They're in the middle of the desert. Yeah. What grass? It's, it's not even, like, scrubby-looking grass. It looks very green. Yeah, it's like, it does not look like it belongs there. It clearly looks like it was from another shot. Woo! And then Skywarp gets to handle Megatron today. Yep, yep. And we're, we're keeping a... Are we keeping a running tally of who's shooting mags in which episode? We aren't. But we are going to mention it every time. Yes, with <laughs> as much innuendo as we can fit in, maybe. Oh, I'll try. We'll try. <laughs> um, so, uh, Soundwave's brilliant operation name for this episode, as he ejects three of his cassettes into the fight, is Operation Warfare. Uh, <laughs> Hound and Rubble fight, there's bad touch all around. And Hound looks like he's underwater in this, because it looks like there's air bubbles going past So the only thing I can think of is they're maybe reusing some of the animation from the dam episode. I guess. Because just... he was fighting him underwater there, too. Yeah, because it doesn't look like dust. It does look like air bubbles, not dust, so it's weird. Um, Laserbeak looks huge in some of these shots for some reason. Like, he's as big as the Seekers. He should not be as big as the Seekers. There's some weird perspective stuff going on, I guess. I mean, other than, you know, the noticeable errors. Yeah, the other errors that we're normally aware of. He's just a hell of a lot closer to us than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and Optimus Prime and Megatron, Megatron fight. Again. Is this robot flirting? I am convinced that this is robot flirting. Um, so then we see Spike disarm Starscream with a rock. 
impressive for a 14 year old i mean honestly i thought he was 16 but you you brought you brought up the page and showed me that yeah, he we was looked 14. it up he is 14 which really really wears me out because i thought he was like 16 for like the last 15 how many ever years i've been into transformers <laughs> for a very long time Decepticons escape onto their ship. Megs actually waits for all of his men to get on the ship before he enters, which is really nice of him. And weird, like we don't we don't get to see this Megatron be nice very often, so that's strange. Uh, I do want to point out, even the elevator is purple. The ship is purple. The elevator is purple. I reiterate, Megatron really likes purple. Or maybe he wasn't being nice. Maybe he just wanted to make sure that he had all of his soldiers and it wasn't a courtesy thing. I, I don't know. I mean, it's still, he found enough value in them. He did not want them to be left behind. So yeah, maybe nice isn't the right word, but the but what actually valuing them even as tools seems a little weird for me. Pragmatic. And he doesn't seem like he's the most pragmatic oh, yeah. robot. This version of Megatron's not that pragmatic. <laughs> And then Optimus does his best Shatner impression as the Decepticons blast off. Megatron! <laughs> and then Optimus commandeers Sideswipe's rocket pack to pursue the Decepticon ship. And this is the only time I think we've seen his rocket pack mentioned. Yeah, but, but so were they using rockets to fly this whole time? Because that's not consistent. They very clearly look unassisted in the earlier episodes. And then like... Sideswipe later will be flying around. It doesn't look like he has a jetpack, so I don't understand. As far as I'm aware, he's the only one with a rocket pack. So I don't know what the hell. There isn't any consistency here. Anyway, so Optimus is flying through the air, and is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Optimus fucking Prime! <laughs> and then the Decepticons shoot him down. Uh, okay, so remember earlier when we were when rolling down a slightly steep hill nearly killed Optimus? Well, rolling down a hill is nearly fatal, but falling from space is no big deal because Optimus just walks it off. Again, what is consistency and what the hell, Optimus? Blunt force trauma from falling from space seems like it would be a hell of a bigger deal than rolling down a goddamn hill. Who would fucking think? <laughs> and then Starscream decides to be an idiot. Again! All of the Decepticons slowly back away from Megatron and Starscream because they want to stay the hell out of this lover's quarrel. They're smart. Yeah, they're, it seems like a pretty smart move to me. Uh, surprise Mirage uh, is now on the ship, and he blasts the ship's control panel. As one does. And then um, Starscream shoots Mirage, and then Megatron blasts Starscream with his cannon again. Like, okay? Really? I, I mean, at this point, I just assume this is a normal Thursday for them. Every week, Starscream attempts to overthrow Megatron. I guess, probably. <laughs> it's just, I mean... You just shot the dude who, okay, he was threatening you, but he also just shot your inf your infiltrator. The <laughs> dude who infiltrated it's, you. it's a Thursday. It's just a regular Thursday for them. Um, for some reason, St Skywarp comes equipped with fire extinguishers in his arm. Like, I think Thundercracker has flamethrowers, so maybe Skywarp has the extinguishers because of that, but he doesn't seem like the sort of person who would come equipped with fire extinguishers. I mean, like, unless maybe... Thundercracker has a tendency to light his, like, light Skywarp shit on fire. So Skywarp's just like, look, I don't like it when my shit burns, okay? <laughs> Maybe. And then Soundwave is the only competent one here. Oh my god, my baby. Um, yeah, like, no, you're not even kidding. Uh, he, he isn't able to regain complete control of the ship, but he stayed at his, like, station through all of this stupidity, including Megatron and Starscream 
whatever the fuck that was. Their tiff. And we'll see later, he was able to bring down the ship without completely destroying it. He is the best boy. Mm-hmm. He's, like, the, for whatever reason, he's their chauffeur. He's the only one who's really good do, at driving. Do you trust any of these other idiots to drive? I don't. Maybe Thundercracker. He's the only one who seems serious, but we also haven't seen him do anything. Okay, but he flies, so I don't even know if that can No, never mind. I'm talking about a tape deck being able to drive. Ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever the hell. I don't know. I don't know. And then Mirage bails out of the ship as it's crashing. Don't worry. They all had parachutes. They all survived. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, there's a surprise parachute. He's, he's the most prepared robot. We'll see surprise parachutes later. Yeah, we will. Too. Why do they come equipped with parachutes when they don't have freaking cameras? <laughs> <laughs> We're not forgetting about that. I will never let the lack of surveillance cameras go. <laughs> anyway, so the ship crashes into the ocean and Optimus Prime says, the Decepticons are gone. <laughs> Has the smoke cleared, Optimus fucking Prime? No! More preemptive declarations. Why do they do that? I'm, I guess God. it's weird, too, because I think when we get to, like, episode four or five, like, Optimus is being really way more pragmatic about it. Yeah. But, but here, he's just like, oh, the Decepticons are dead. Oh, the Decepticons are dead, despite them having lived through this, like, at least three times now. <laughs> yeah. And then the Autobots drive off because of, of... Okay, you're not going to go and do check anything. You're just going to assume that the water killed them. <laughs> Toys. Toys, Specs. Toys. I love toys as much as the next person, but I'm sorry. This writing is dumb. <laughs> it is. So, how are we going to wrap this madness up? Well, we're going to end with Spike writing in his diary about how the governments of Earth gave Optimus Prime enough energy to revive Cybertron, which we will never hear or see this ever again. True, true. But, and good thing we don't have to worry about those Decepticons anymore. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, oh, wait. <laughs> what did I say about preemptive declarations? Uh, so, um, shocking, you'll be shocked how this ends. Uh, the Decepticon ship is, in fact, intact at the bottom of the ocean, and Megatron exits the ship's hatch as the episode ends. Surprise, bitches. Bet you thought you'd seen the last of me. Yep, and you just see him sort of... Going gently towards the surface. Ominously to the surface. <laughs> like a shark. for the day, Specs. Alright, so we've got three recommendations for fanfic today. The first of our fanfic recommendations for today is On Being Reduced to Instinct by the Star Horse. It's a G1 cartoon, rated K. It's Jen, so there's no romance or anything. Characters, Mirage is our point of view character, and then there's the G1 cast. So in summary, weird stuff happens to Mirage. Poor, poor Mirage. Winnie! <laughs> 
And so our character theme for the wreck that this one is based off of is Mirage, and it is complete. The next one is Contramundum by Cafe, and it's a G1AU, rated T, Gen, no romance, pair, no pairings, uh, the main character is an original character, and then there's the G1 cast. So in summary, it's Transformers AU, the Decepticons have spread through the universe, conquering and plundering, the Autobot forces are stretched far too thin, and they cannot save everyone. And so the reason I picked this one is because this is the end of our pilot trilogy, and so I figured might as well do the aftermath of First Contact, where the Decepticons have basically taken over. Because I thought that would be an interesting juxtaposition with juxtaposition <laughs> from uh, the first recommendation, uh, or the first episode, I think. And this one's incomplete. It hasn't been updated in years. It's probably not going to be finished. So take that recommendation with a grain of salt. And then the third and final fanfic recommendation for today is Paper Airplanes by MC Squared. It's G1 cartoon, rated K+. It's general, no romance. And so the main characters are Starscream, Skywarp, and Thundercracker. And in summary, it's a series of one-shots featuring Starscream, Skywarp, and Thundercracker, the command trine. Starscream, Skywarp, and Thundercracker, the command trine, have their share of stories to tell. These stories, however, are not among their proudest moments. <laughs> and I thought we should spotlight some jets, because so far, all of my recommendations have been very Autobot-based. And yeah, this is a collection of one-shots. And let's move on to the fan art recommendations. So, uh, the fan artist we would recommend for today is Blitzy. Uh, you can find them at blitzy-blitzwing.tumblr.com. They also have a Kofi, which we will post a link to, and they are on Twitter at blitzyblitzwing. They tend to post a variety of things. Uh, my personal favorites are a lot of their IDW comic, or like fan comics they've done. Some are based on like canon stuff that happened, but we didn't necessarily get to see. Others aren't. They all crack me up, and their version, like their IDW Megatron has the best facial expressions like not even kidding i think it's my favorite like my favorite version of him so here are three comics that i really enjoyed uh the first was a lost light halloween so you have the lost light crew uh, celebrating halloween everyone gets in costume everyone <laughs> um and then we have the captain's chair which is basically Rodimus arguing with Megatron on how, since they're co-captains, they need two captain chairs. Megatron's saying, no, that's ridiculous. And then Rodimus going along the train of thought to, well, then I will guess I'll sit on your lap. <laughs> Which Megatron's not okay with, <laughs> obviously. And then the last one, I am just going to describe it as Rodimus being a little shit, uh, which I know is him like 90% of the time, but uh, it's basically Rodimus being a shit to Megatron. <laughs> so more of that. So next time we will be able to get into the series proper and we'll be done with the, uh, the pilot. <laughs> and I wish I could tell you that it was going to start being more consistent. But not. I can't. So, I'm sorry. Uh, but buckle up, kids, because we're going to go on a wild ride. A very wild ride. And that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check our Tumblr at afterspark-podcast.tumblr.com for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, 
and SoundCloud and YouTube at AfterSpark Podcast. Till next time, bye. Toodles.